Welcome to the Not Quite the Afterglow podcast, your chance to see inside the mind of a British 40-something man and his 30-something wife. Not your average couple, but then this is not your average podcast. Hey everyone, you're listening to episode 20 of Not Quite the Afterglow. My name's Richard. And I'm Chloe. I was away yesterday in London catching up with some old friends and one thing that came out of that I was on the train coming home and I phoned you and you suddenly realized that old adage of absence makes the heart grow fonder sometimes you see people who you haven't seen for a year or two years who you talk to on maybe a daily basis on social media but you don't get to see them very often yeah it was when I spoke to you on the train on the way back one of the first things you said was how nice it was to see some of your friends and old colleagues face to face when you haven't seen them for, what, a year or so now? Yeah, I mean, I left there 18 months ago now, coming up to 18 months ago. And um, it's strange because my life has been very much dominated by technology until I met you. Until I met you, I had no inkling about being settled down. Or, do, do you remember when you met me? I had no real... How to, I didn't know how to be a couple. You, or, were just, you were just work. You were just all about the work. All about the work. And... and for those people who don't know who I am, which is great, I've spent the last 20 years building a lot of the technology and a lot of the back stuff that, you know, a lot of you use every day. Uh, a lot of the technology that you use on your browsers and your tablets and stuff, I've had a hand in creating. And a lot of those people who are my little support network, my little ecosystem, are people who have really changed the way that we use technology as as people on the planet. They, You know, the people who've really designed things and invented things and are, are continually inventing things so some of the brightest people out there and you'd be amazed for, for being that bright we're not overly that social are they are we no but i think it's it's that kind of standard uh stereotype isn't it of, geek. of, of geeks being with their sort of pale skin locked Buggy away eyes. in their in their own little worlds because they can't do physical interaction with one another well we, we can do physical interaction we're just not very good socially as a rule and also we're very picky about who we socialize with i think you know i think the safety in numbers you know you often see that people hang around with their type yeah we're not the type of people who go i don't know five-a-side football or hang out in the bar and stuff like that we're you know not in bed by 10 o'clock but not far off it and it was lovely yesterday to walk into the queen elizabeth conference center in westminster in london which is almost opposite Westminster Abbey. Um, and as I got to the top of the stairs, I was aware of this little figure running towards me who gave me the massive, massive bear hug, which I totally appreciated. And it's a friend of mine from British Columbia who I've known for many years, who's been on my podcast two or three times. In fact, she's one of the highest ratings on the podcast I've ever done. Um, and she gave me this hug. And I, honestly, I don't think I could breathe, but I, I've never appreciated a hug more in my adult life than I had this because I had an audience I had people who I worked with who were with me and they were thinking who's this woman who's giving our boss a hug and it was just like it was just like Diane's fantastic so it really made my day yeah I think um nowadays obviously a lot of our friendships are played out over Facebook and and over messages and email and and things like that and you you sort of lose some of that connection because you're not, you know, physically face to face, and when you do, when you do get to spend some time with with someone who's, you know, important to you like that, it does make you think about how 
how you spend your time and that you maybe want to be spending more time face to face with friends. Um, I mean, I've found it very difficult, obviously, um, having the children and then being a stay at home mum, you know, all through maternity leave and, and even still now is it's very difficult for me to to get out and see people. And then obviously I've got friends who've now got babies and small children and it's hard for them to get out and, and sort of... Yeah, you know, I remember, how, in, I remember how insular it was for you when you had the children and all of a sudden you didn't have a social life, you didn't have... Well, I don't have a great social life now. Well, that's so. up to you, but you, you, you could have a great social life if you wanted. You choose not to do it. That's not, that's not my problem, it's yours. You need to get out there and do it. But I, I think there's... um. A whole rationale, as I said, this absence makes the heart grow fonder thing. It was great yesterday in the respect that um, one of the people who was at this conference was the American version of me, a guy who was my shadow in America for many years, a guy called Gordon. And he was there, this ebullient, larger-than-life, ex-Harvard academic who's a fantastic writer. And again, it was absolutely wonderful to spend time with people who I know genuinely care about me, but also who I would go to the ends of the earth for. And... It suddenly struck me when I was sitting in this conference centre and I was surrounded by about 200 people from different you know, financial companies and tech companies and investment companies, etc., etc. And Diane's on stage talking about this technology. And it was like I was there at the start when it started. I was there at the very, 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 very start you know, before anyone knew about it when we were planning it in a room. And now it's this like, multi-billion dollar thing. And um, there she was on stage. And I'm thinking, do you know what? I'm so proud that I've got friends who are capable of holding a room in the palm of their hands. But if you bumped into them socially... You just wouldn't know, would No, you? you wouldn't have a clue what, you know, what we do. We I wouldn't think, have a clue what we do. I think it's one of those things, like, you've all been around at the sort of pivotal moment in, in technology, time. Yeah. You know, that kind of, I guess, around that dot-com yeah, boom, very much so. effectively. So you've all kind of cut your teeth on that and sort of grown together mm. and... You know, no matter which companies you work for or things, you know, you're still all within this same industry in the same bubble. And there's only there's only one of each of you and you all have your own inverted commas special powers, you know, so you're always going to be needed in some capacity in mm. a way that interacts with one another still even even though you work for different companies and be doing different projects you'll still have this I mean, kind you, of you, overlap you know how hard it was when i decided about 18 months ago that i was going to leave when i i've never left a job i've either sold companies I've never left a job. I've always sold companies. I've never, you know, apart from, you know, I've just decided I, it was on my terms. It was a really, really hard thing. I didn't have a job to go to. I didn't need to work, but I just decided I'd had enough. I think it's one of those things as well that you, you weren't so much leaving colleagues, but you were leaving colleagues that were your friends that were, you know, your friends before. beyond the job. Yeah, yeah and there were friends before I started work there. They were my friends back in the day when we were during the dot-com boom in the 1990s, 2000s. So they're, they're people who I've watched their kids grow up and they're part and parcel of my life. And the joke is, you know, on social media that I'm still their most, their biggest social media guy and biggest podcast. I don't even work there anymore. They just don't pay me. It's like I'm still there, but they just don't pay me. It's funny as hell. But I find that very hard. I find the whole, because now I have a job. Yeah. I have a day job. I actually go to work and I have a day job. It's not, it's never going to be the same as what I've been doing for the last 20 years. It can never be the same. I have a job and I have people who I work with and people who work for me. But it's not the same, is it? It's not. No. But then 
I don't know. It can Every- never emulate that. Everything changes, doesn't it? But it's interesting how you get sort of different friends throughout your life. So you'll have, you know, a few childhood friends that yeah. you're you'll sort of always stay close to and even if your paths change or or other things happen, you still have that connection with them and you know, obviously they know all your embarrassing secrets and of stuff. Of course they do, it's one of my friends. And then and then you get, you know, your your sort of wave of friends, maybe sort of university or, you know, in the early days of work, as I say, where you all kind of cut your teeth together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you you sort of then pick up the occasional friends as you go through other sort of times in your life, like when you start having children and then you you make friends with people, like we went through NCT classes, mm-hmm. you make friends with people who you would never have met in any other time but you're bonded by For this that period of time but yeah. you're bonded by this crazy experience you're going through that they're going through and you'll find yourself having conversations with them that you you would not have with any of your other friends no, about various and, and, and over time thankfully you let those friends go over over sharing things yeah. and stuff and then it's, it's not the same and then you you know then you pick up other sort of odd friends along the line I guess uh, probably more so for me because obviously I'm quite involved in the the day to day of of the children. So you know the picking up from school and the the going the school to school things and, stuff, and yeah. you know and then you know clubs outside school and stuff like that. So you're you you know you kind of hope that you'll you'll find some kind of friends who you can click with on the on the same level whose children your children like because that's always a a tricky one. I'll never forget uh, one time when I was going to secondary school. And obviously when you go to secondary school, there's lots of feeder primary schools. Mm-hmm. So there are children that you've never met before. And I can remember um, meeting this girl and I was like really friendly and really chatty with her and stuff. And I thought, oh, well, you know, this girl seems quite nice. I could be quite good friends with her. And it turned out, I think like my mum knew her mum. And my mum was kind of not massively keen on it and and I just sort of picked up on a slight vibe of that and then it turned out that I didn't really particularly like this girl and I wasn't really good friends with her at all in the end I, I, I'm not friends with anyone I grew up with apart from a couple of guys at school I don't know anyone my, when we go back to the village I never bump into I think it anyone. I think that's one of those things though that your childhood friends you know as you get older and you develop more as a person, yeah. you could be completely different to that child I, at I school. Completely, yeah. You know, because maybe when you were at school, you didn't have a level of confidence that you get as you as you mature, as you get older, or you know, just your maybe your social standing has changed, so that could make it different. It, it, it's difficult because I grew up in a tiny little village where you know we were the only teenagers. I buried my best friend, but a lot of the other people I grew up with were pretty shitty. So. You know, I wasn't really friendly that much with them. And to be honest, I think sometimes you need a mix of both people you like and people you don't like because you base a lot of your characters you grow up on what people do. Yeah. You watch how other people behave and you think, I don't want to be that person. No. I, I don't want to interact with people like that. And I think sometimes in life you, you want to reinvent yourself as well. And you get, it's like when you, well, it's like when I go back to my mum's house you know I revert back to being like I was as a teenager you don't do the washing up yeah so I don't do the washing up or you know like I'll tease my mum over certain things or like my brother and I will deliberately wind each other up just to annoy my mum um but that's you know that happens when you go back maybe to your hometown this this is why people don't like school reunions because you although you could be very successful and confident you 
if you're suddenly back in a room with the people that maybe made your life quite difficult or, you know, that you looked up to as the cool kids and stuff, you you can't help but revert back maybe to, to that mindset of how you were when you were younger. Yeah, I'm lucky. I went to a very elite boys' school where I think by the age of 18, because it was an all-boys' school, you'd already worked out who the people who you never, ever, ever wanted to see again. The minute that you left after your A-levels, you never wanted to see them again. And do you know what? That's that's exactly what's happened. Apart from the odd the odd occasion where I bumped into someone, I've, the impression they made on me age 14, 15, 16 is still the same impression 25, 28 years on. I still think they're knobs. Yeah. Although, as I said, people knob. change and stuff, but you just... Not that much. You have these preconceived ideas and things, and you just kind of... You know, you kind of stick with that, don't you? I still have a list, a mental list of people I'm going to get back at. I know it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. It's not. I do have a list of people I'm going to throw under a bus at some point. I think think there might be a collective of people that would quite happily (laughs) pick you up and throw you under a bus. I think they'd sponsor it. But I have... have, It's like like they say revenge is a dish best served cold, isn't it? But I definitely have a list. There is a list. There is a list of people who are going to get it. Get what I don't know. Probably just a, a piece of my corpse in a in a, in, a, in, a, in a jiffy bag when I when I peg it or something. But um, yeah, I mean the thing is, when you grow up, you have all these adverse experiences, which makes you into the person that you are. Which makes you know you 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 get dumped by people, you get crapped on by people. You know, you lend someone your whatever at school, and they don't bring it back or whatever. Or someone, you know, does something to your school bag, and you you never forget it. You never ever forget it. I had a one of those pocket Donkey Kong things, and someone stole it, and I've never really got over it. Wow! And and I know who it is. His card is marked forever. He's an investment <laughs> banker now, so one day he's going to pay for it. I'm sure. But you know, I have a long memory. Those people who dissed me when I was a teenager, a spotty, lanky teenager at school, they've got it coming one day. See, I had, I had, uh, you know, an okay time at school. You know, I did I, as well. But... I wasn't, I wasn't one of the most um, popular children at all by any no, stretch. No, no, not at all. But at the same time, I probably wasn't the most invisible either. I was always kind of somewhere in the middle floating around of friendship groups and stuff um but the you know one of the nice things about facebook is being able to sort of keep in touch with with people from from your past but not massively in touch but one of the things that i i really like about facebook actually and you know sort of having those even if they're very small connections to people from your past or whatever is that you know, we're both quite very open people and we're both yeah. very, um, I don't know, like generous with our advice, I, I would say. Or yeah, our time. advice, guidance, time, assets, whatever. And yeah. having these thin strings, you know, via Facebook and stuff that, that hold us together has meant that, you know, when there has been times when people Someone's have had, had a problem, had, yeah. had a problem um, we've you know we've been able to sort of stand in and help but also you know we've been there when people have have come to us like we have we have a very good well a very good friend of mine but it's a good friend of ours you know i i hadn't heard from them in in quite a long time and they suddenly reached quite a difficult part in their life and they reached out let's go back this person i I, was, was was a friend of yours who i detested for all the wrong reasons and i was wrong I was completely in the wrong. I detested him for five or six years because I'm, I read him completely wrongly and 
But in the end, when he came to us in trouble, yeah. I adopted him. Yeah, and um, you know, it's and it's and we. I'm still nice adopting him years on. He's still adopted. I, yeah. st- I still. In fact, we were in a, we were in a, a bomb alert last week. I got off a train and they. I was standing. I, I arranged to meet him, and we were we we were in Salisbury in in uh, Wiltshire. And uh, a policeman runs up to us and says, "Get out of the way! There's a bomb!" And uh, I said to him, "Really?" And I get my press pass out, put it around my neck, and our mutual friend was just like, "This is genius. Let's stick around and see what happens." And they're putting, As this, you do. They're putting this exclusion zone around this building, which has got a bomb in it supposedly. And then they're bringing in drones, and there's a guy in, you know, the 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 bomb. Um, what's it called the, the, from the bomb disposal team and he's all in his armour and Jamie and I are standing he's like get back get back and uh, I'm taking photos and it was great it was, we, had a, we had a wait of a time it was absolutely brilliant he's, he's a lovely guy he's um, he's like the little brother I never had he's 10 years younger than me and he's like the little brother I never had and I, I, I think he's fantastic but I'm I very think proud of him it's just nice to to know that people can sort of reach out to you and stuff and it's, it's funny that we're talking about this right now because it it's been that um sort of global time to talk day yeah. about sort of mental health and stuff like that and i think uh you know the focus on that is about talking about mental health and and talking about mental health to your friends and your friends being able to come to you with their problems and things mm. and i think it's really important to to let people know that you're always open to listening yeah I, I think that's very very important i mean if we go back to this this friend of friend of ours now he's had some terrible times in his life um and he's been through enormous adversity absolutely enormous adversity and adversity that i i i, I would never want to face massive adversity and he has come through slowly but surely and I'm exceptionally proud that, you know, he's been through what people would classify as a period of mental health problems, mental health instability, and he's very open about that. He's very open about that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot... And it makes him a better person for talking about it. I think they say there's something like one in four people um, are affected by, you know, mental health problems at some point during their lives. I mean, I know it's something that I've had in the past where I've suffered with depression and things. Mm. And, you know, it... It, it's so strange because when you're in the thick of it, you you do find it very hard to sort of vocalise it or maybe seek help and things. Mm. But then, you know, obviously having come through the other side of it now, as I got sort of m- more on a road to recovery, mm-hmm. I did I did reach out and I did talk to to some of my friends and other people. And and, and, and you got counselling as well. I remember yeah, and I, and it. And it does make a difference. It you know because partly you realise you're not the only person. <coughs> you know, I I used to have um, great long chats uh, in the pub with a friend of mine about various things, and it was nice for me to know it wasn't just me who thought that way sometimes yeah, about yeah. stuff. I think I think people can sometimes bottle stuff up, and it gets to a point where it becomes destructive. And that I mean I can't think of any time. Or of any person who would turn around when you when you came to them and, and shared your problem, who wouldn't try oh, no, and do I, something to help. I don't know. I don't think everyone does help. I think a lot of people are very much in self preservation mode and, and and take things very personally. I, I, I think it I think it's difficult because if we go back to this mutual friend that we've got who's been through major disruption in his life, major trauma, tragedy and disruption in his life, 
And he keeps saying to me, oh, let me pay you back or let me do this or or, I'll I'll give you whatever. And I keep thinking to myself, I wish I could turn around to him and say, you don't get it, do you? I'm not giving you this. I'm I'm not loaning you this. I'm giving you this because... I want to give you this because you've, you you don't realise how much you've given me by letting me be part of your journey. I very much feel when I'm talking to him, you know, we, we, we met a guy in town last week when I was with him who had obviously been through similar trauma, through similar heartbreak and disappointment and down on his luck. And he turned around to me, and he was obviously shaking. And the first thing that our friend wanted to do was take his scarf off and give him, to, give it, give it, give him his scarf because he was cold. And I thought, wow. Because I had a scarf, and I could have I done that. And he said, let me give you my scarf to keep you warm. Sometimes it's the people who have the least amount to give who will give the most. Sure. I think, um, in fact, that reminds me, Quite a few years ago now, I did a big charity fundraiser for breast cancer care. You walked around South Africa. Uh, yes, and uh, I did lots of different things to raise money, but part, partly it was about raising money, but partly it was raising awareness as well. That, and was I, ju- that was just about when we first met and fell in love, wasn't it? It wasn't that long after, yeah. No, it wasn't. And um, I spent a whole day in town completely dressed up, with a table with lots of pamphlets on, yeah. um, collecting money and raising awareness, like literally there all day. I couldn't even go to the toilet or anything because it was just me by myself. And I can remember there was a guy who sold the Big Issue, which is it's a homeless for, magazine. Yeah, yeah. For, for anyone who who's not in the UK, the Big Issue is a, a magazine that homeless people um, can sell. Can sell they make fifty. They make fifty percent of the profit. Yeah, to make to, to make some money. And um, this guy who was a big issue seller came over to me and I, I recognised him because obviously he's in, in town a lot and he gave me some money um, and, I, and I, was just, I was just really surprised and he, he you know, obviously he knew someone who's, yeah. whose life had been touched by breast cancer and wanted to donate something and I just thought that was fantastic because there were so many people who would, you know, just walk past who didn't give any money or didn't, you know, didn't even acknowledge I was there and stuff and I I felt very grateful for that and just the the chat that we had as well I, it was just it was lovely to see mm. I think people don't realize the impact that simple gestures can can take and can make I don't think they sometimes get it in the respect that you can do something to change the pattern of someone's day to change to try and lift what they do it doesn't take much to lift someone's day, but it's very simple to destroy someone's day. Yeah. I mean, I, I was reading some somewhere the other day that uh, a sign that had been put up somewhere and it said, if you see someone down the street who doesn't have a smile, give them one of yours. You know, it's just like little things like that. I, I don't agree with that. I think you, you can... I don't I'm know. I'm not saying walk around no. with like an inane grin. Yeah, they'll probably lock you up. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd take it that far, but certainly I think there are things that we can all do. Maybe that person who's quiet in the office is quiet for a reason. Maybe that person who you know who isn't quite themselves, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe they don't want to reach out and tell you, but maybe to just acknowledge that you're there and that if there is a problem that you're able to talk to them and you're able to help them and you're able to try and make that slight impact i think that's that's a worthwhile gesture yeah and i think the difficulty is sometimes is knowing 
what to say to somebody or you know because obviously like mental health is not something that it just happens and it's solved and you move on and that's it Mm. you know it can be something that that goes up and down like a wave it could be something that is is at the forefront for a very extended period of time and I think you know it can be very difficult for the person who's in the center of that to continually reach out because they probably are on the assumption like oh they don't want to hear about this again they don't want to see this again um but when you're on the other side it's more like you know every time I try and help but it doesn't really solve anything and it I just I think you just always need to let people know that you're there I think I think it's really important to be if you can be that invisible anchor in someone's existence too because you, you can give money you can give things you can give food you can give help you can give assistance you can give a lift you can do anything um, you know, we all came into the planet naked. We're all going to go out the planet naked. It's just how you live your life on the way. And there are there are periods of my life that I'm not wholly proud of, and there are periods of my life that I'm exceptionally proud of. And I know that as you grow older, you start to appreciate more your health and your ability to have your mobility the whether that's physical mobility or social mobility but also the fact that people are starting to face real hardship now when i'm noticing now more people are starting to face hardship post brexit there are and i think this is going to get worse it's not just going to be about brexit we don't want to talk about brexit it's political but things like automation replacing people's jobs that's making life harder um you know, traditional jobs which are always supposedly safe careers are now no longer safe careers. Well, you know, I don't think banking, you have. Retail. I don't think you have careers full stop now. No, I, I, I think I, I, I think unless you've got a professional calling, I think everything generally time wise is, you know, as you say, you would have a career and you would have a job for life or whatever, and yeah. it's not like it's it's like you would have you know a marriage for life. Yeah. yeah. Whereas actually, you know, quite a lot of people will have. A marriage till the kids leave home. Yeah, or, you know, they will have two significant relationships in their life or two marriages or or like three different, completely different jobs just because everything just seems more... Well, we're both on our second significant relationship. We've only been married... I've only been married to you... You know, I've only been, been married to you. Yeah, but my point is, we, you're my we, you're my favourite husband. You're my favourite wife. Yes, but I mean, I mean, I, I've never been married before, but certainly we were both in long term relationships before, and I think if anything, sometimes you can say that that's that's also mental warfare as well. No, but I, I think a lot of the time when you come out of a relationship, you're 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 both very damaged for the right right and wrong reasons, and you both end up when you get together, you're either going to be poles that attract or poles that resist and I think with you you were part of my recovery but it took me a long time to realize that yeah as I say I just think you know life is so different now very very different I was watching a a short video clip uh, recently and it was explaining about why um, like our grandparents will live well you know theoretically our grandparents will live to a quite an older age than we, than we will yeah and it was you know sort of listing all the factors why and you know there, there's so much there's so many reasons why and you know our lives are so different to our grandparents hugely, hugely different. you know the the fact that for a start we have to work longer yep. because the retirement age yep. has yep. changed significantly and the cost of living 
and you know just even things like dietary you know obviously we more pre-packaged stuff with salt and fat you know and, well yeah, our yeah. grandparents had had a Fresh whole period vegetables. of rationing for yeah, a start yeah. so yeah. you Maybe know that's what i need i need a good world war I need a good ration pack that's what i need you just need to not stop eating monster munch yes I, I I will just do a public reminder. I'm on a diet. That you are supposedly on a diet. I am on a diet. I only had five five donuts today. I can't believe that. Who who has three custard donuts for their lunch? I did. <laughs> I didn't have anything else. I just had three custard donuts. I didn't. And Aha, I I had washed your car. You did wash my car today, which I must have burned the car. calories of you know <laughs> half of one of those donuts because you jet washed it I, not I, by no, hand. I I I had a. I had a long day in London yesterday, and I was very good. I, I had very little to eat in London, very little to eat when I got home. And I, I was in a petrol station, in the gas station, buying uh, some plasters. I cut my hand when I was uh, washing your car. And uh, I saw this bag of donuts, and I thought, five donuts for 75p? And I did the maths and worked out that that was a really good deal. And I really fancied them, so I had three custard donuts. You did. You had two in the car on the way One home. One on the car on the way home, and then three when I got home. Yes. And wow. I don't care if that's gluttony. I really don't care who thinks that's absolutely disgusting because there are people out in this podcast going high five. I high five. You had three custard donuts for lunch. I didn't have anything else. And I had I had partridge for tea. You did. I made you a partridge kind of casserole thing. You did. Partridge. Why would you put partridge in a casserole? Partridge is something you like slow cook. Let me just say one thing. When you eat partridge and pheasant, it's a noble bird. Okay, it's not like going in and buying chicken in Sainsbury's. When you cook game, it needs to be treated with love and dedication. It needs to be slow cooked. It doesn't need to just be served on the plate. I'm not having a go because I'm very grateful. But please, it in was the future, in the future, well, whatever. And what did I have for my dinner? Just I don't know, and I don't care. Know. The fact of the matter is, I pheasant had deserves. Fry. Well, regardless, pheasant deserves to be treated with respect and royalty. It's one of those meats where people. It's like venison. It's I game. lovingly it's... put it in the slow cooker <sighs> with some good red wine and other stuff. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I would have done it differently. I know, but I only cooked it because my freezer is overloaded. I know, but you could have just picked on something else and give me some fish and chips or something. You should could have left that scampi. for a special occasion. Do you know there's always Part- lots of scampi? Partridge. It's 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 an exquisite meat. You don't just dink it into a casserole. Anyway, what do I know? Hey ho, that was my treat. You're you're lucky it didn't Ruined. end up going to the dog like when you bought those pork chops that time. Or when we came back to the cottage that we had and um that guy had left two pheasants hanging from the back door and you walked into them because it was dark, you didn't see them and you walked straight into the pheasants that were hanging from the from yes. the back of the house. That was hilarious. It wasn't hilarious for it me. Was absolutely <laughs> these two dead pheasants and you walked straight into them in the dark. Oh. I yeah. wish I could turn the clock back and just do that again. That's quite funny. I tell you, the best thing about living uh, in a village in in the middle of nowhere was that at night it would just get absolutely pitch black. Uh, there was no light pollution whatsoever, was there? Nothing. Yeah, because you didn't have lots of street lights and stuff. And when, when we go back to my mum's, it's the same. Yeah, there's nothing. It's just it's just silence, apart from the odd sheep being molested that you can hear in the background bleating. You never know if it's another sheep molesting or whether it's a member of the public. But hey, never mind. If you live in the village. That's why all the farmers' daughters wear sheepskin coats. I'm sure of it. So back on the topic of mental health. So what was today? It was the reach out and touch a loony day. What was it? What was it? Man, time, time to talk. Time to talk. So not reach out and touch a loony. No, okay, we won't say that. But seriously, so time to talk, and it's an international thing or a national thing. 
It's international. It's just about encouraging people to talk about mental health, about letting people know that you're there, that they can reach out to you, but also just talking about it generally because... No one's emailed me. As I say... No one's emailed me to say, are you okay? Are you okay? They don't know that. Are you okay, Annie? But I'm I'm just saying, it's national whatever it is, no one's reached out to me. I don't know how how massively publicised it is, but, (laughs) you know, it... It is one of those this things. This is not an invitation said. to reach out to me. I'm just saying no one has. So it obviously hasn't had that much PR. Well, I think my you, inbox will be full of people saying, oh, "You're okay." Be would you like about me you. to reach out and touch you? Oh, I'm always in favour of you reaching out and touching me. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm the other side of a table. Yeah, I know your hands are not that long or that warm. As I found out when you got home from walking the children this morning, you got back into bed, touched me, and I was just like, "Jeez, your hands have been in a freezer." Yeah, anytime my hands are absolutely freezing, I will always put them on you to warm myself up. Yeah, or my it's feet. not erotic. It's that's, not that's, a good move. That's part of your role of husband is to is warm my hands. And if you're not there, then I'll just go wherever the dog is and just sort of put my hands under or me. Under the dog, not inside under the, the dog. dog. Like go, you know, like you do a tummy rub. Yeah, I do yeah. that to warm my hands up on the dog. Well, you've been listening to episode twenty. Come back next week for episode 21, where I'm approaching my 45th birthday. In fact, we may I may even be 45 by the time that we get to record it. Yes, and we will be giving out our pre-Valentine's advice on how what... How to survive Valentine's how Day. How to survive Valentine's what Day. What not to buy on Valentine's Day. And what not to buy. And what not to book, where not to go, what not to do. Yeah. Things not to do. I mean, obviously, we're married, so Valentine's Day for us means, you know... I have to remember to get a card. You have to remember to get a and card. And not, not be away. Yes. <laughs> so I basically cannot ever book meetings around the 14th of February. So, yeah, tune in to our next episode to find out what you should or should not be doing for Valentine's Day. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Come back next week. Bye-bye, guys. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe via iTunes on your Apple device. If you are an Android user, we recommend using CastBox, available free from the Google Play Store. Find us on Facebook. Search Not Quite the Afterglow.